our Lord is indeed great. And as long as we have breath, we will praise his name. It's an amazing start of this service so far with the call to worship in Psalm 96, music pointing to the Lord, partaking in communion, John 19. As long as we have breath, let us continue to praise the Lord. The world today is in a state of instability, uncertainty, insecurity, lack of peace. The world is in a state of decay. Scientists tell us to be afraid of everything. What's one of the biggest concerns for college students? Climate change. <laughs> and death, too. <laughs> we're running out of water, we're running out of food, we're a nation of addicts on social media, meds, porn, video games. Since when did gender confusion, pronoun confusion ever happen? only until the last five years. There's broken relationships, labor disputes, neighborhood fights, cohabitation. Government knows better. Scientists know better. Doctors know better. Politicians know better. The health department knows better. Educators know better. The Davis Economic Forum met two weeks ago in Switzerland. The elite know better, but really, they are all fools. And we know that from Romans chapter 1, verse 21 and 23. Why is it so hard for people to define and use the word evil? Can evolution explain evil? People don't even know what heaven or hell is or even believe in the existence of hell. How is it that a former First Lady's memorial service, a professed Baptist, and the musicians played John Lennon's song, Imagine? Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above only sky. I think a better selection would have been, I can only imagine. <laughs> Yesterday morning, I had the privilege to attend the Johnson Memorial Service. The song they played, You Are Good, God Is Good. They got it right, the Johnson family. What a beautiful worship service, honoring their son. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to trust? Your phone? Worldview matters. As Christians, we need a proper worldview. We need a biblical worldview. We can't trust and understand the world without the Bible. We can't understand the world without the book of beginnings, with Genesis 1, we can't understand the, book, the world without the book of beginnings, without Genesis 3. We definitely can't understand the world without Genesis 3, verses 22 through 24. The world didn't have to be like this. We live in a broken and fallen world, 
Only God has the explanation and answers to paradise loss. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are, an all-perfect God, an all-knowing God, and a God that cares, and a God that is the creator. And while we are created, we know and love you in worshiping you. Thank you for this rich time of service in worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We find that in your word. May the words from this pulpit be glorifying to you and honoring you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The text this morning will be from Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. I will get a running start for reading all of chapter 3. Um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, you have the Bibles in the pews, starting on page 2. Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself, he said. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and for her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. In our text this morning, verses 22 to 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the, of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword and turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the inerrant word of God. As you may recall, a few weeks ago, Pastor Jeff's sermon, Accounting for Sin, that we are responsible for our sins, not God. We are accountable for our sins to God. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Kevin's sermon on sin, the reality, character, and consequence of sin. And last week, God's grace amidst sin. Which brings us to the title and point number one of this morning's sermon, Paradise Lost, or otherwise known as the fall of man. Verse 22 again. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Throughout scripture and history, we need to be reminded that God is in control. He is sovereign. Angels are not in control. Satan is not in control. And definitely man is not in control. While it may seem at times that Satan may have the upper hand with his power, craftiness, and lies, God is in control at every point in time and space. God is in control here in Genesis. God controls all things and has an eternal plan for all things in heaven and things on earth. You might ask yourself, you know, Adam and Eve, they had it so good. How could they even consider sinning? Remember what the definition of sin is. Wayne Grudem says that sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. In eating the, of the fruit, it was the first instance of idol worship. Worshiping the created rather than the creator, Adam and Eve gave up fellowship with God to worship a piece of fruit, worship of Mother Earth. Let's look verse by verse of this catastrophic ramification of Adam's sin. What we see here is the urgency of God's action. God is the initiator towards the sinner. Adam now knows good and evil, like God. However, there is a key difference. 
Man experienced evil. God doesn't experience evil. Let me repeat that again. Man experienced evil. God doesn't experience evil. Because our God is perfect. Our God is good. Our God is holy. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good and do good. Isaiah 6.3. And one called to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is he, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 18, verse 30. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. Matthew 5:48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. God is absolute perfection. This is part of God's character and one of his incommunicable attributes. God's attribute of perfection should be understood not in quantity sense, but a quality sense. God is infinitely without defect. To say that God is not perfect would mean to say that he is not God. Or put it differently, if God experiences evil, again, he wouldn't be God. It is also not right to blame God, a good, perfect, and holy God, for anything. So what does it mean that God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Genesis 1.26, we, we, we go back and it says, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. There's a reason why Genesis chapter 1 is referred to the creation account. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We have to remember that God is the sole creator. Everything is created. Paul reminds us of this in Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God made man as a creature. Man is made. Being made means man is finite. Man had a starting point. Man started at conception between a husband and a wife. God, on the other hand, is everlasting. God has no beginning, no starting point. God has no end. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is everlasting. Man is not. Man was made 
in the image of God, in likeness. Man is not God. There are false religions where you become a god or a little god, such as Mormonism or Eastern religions. In verse 22, we see the mention of the first person plurality of God. The doctrine of the Trinity is important and foundational in understanding who God is and his character. Not only in our passage this morning, but in all of Genesis and in all of Scripture, we see how God relates to man, how man relates back to God, how man relates to others, how man is to relate to the rest of creation, and how man relates not only as created, but as image bearers of God. This is where we get a proper worldview, a biblical worldview. Unless you have a proper biblical worldview, you can see why people are confused about God, confused about good and evil, life and death, sin, justice, marriage, children, the environment, plants and animals. You just name anything. People are confused. Where the emphasis is on self. If something goes wrong or is hard in their life, they blame God. Others believe that religion is keeping man down. Just because man can do amazing things in this world with technology, they can control and shape the world to their liking, our big technological achievements are really quite small when compared to God who created the heavens and the earth. When it says, like one of us, it could be sarcasm, read as sarcasm from God, possibly, I don't know, um, only God knows. Verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Instead of tending the garden, Adam was banished to the east of Eden, out of the garden to till and toil the land. Contrast what was lost. The garden was planted for man, Genesis 2.8. He was allowed to eat, including the tree of life. It's like going to the best organic buffet and just pick and eat. It was beautiful. He was to work and tend the garden, a lush, most beautiful botanical garden, more beautiful than the South Coast Botanical Garden in PV, more beautiful than the gardens in Hawaii, more beautiful than the Amazon jungles. It was man's perfect casa, man's perfect home. There's no place like home. Instead of keeping the garden, this beautiful gift given to Adam, he would no longer have access. Verse 15, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Instead of cultivating a special garden, Adam was to make it work his own garden under a curse. The toil and stress of long hours at work, 
the fall not only disrupted our relationship with the Lord, our spouse, our friends, but also how we interact with creation. God is taking Adam out of the garden, away from the tree of life. Man now experienced evil. Evil is now throughout his being. He now had ungodly desires, lust, guilt, bad attitude, experience of shame and fear. Adam knew he was going to die. Adam's next move was to eat from the tree of life and live forever. In both an act of judgment and a greater act of mercy, God's grace, God removed Adam and Eve from Eden. Adam's greatest loss out of Eden and communion with God. He would no longer walk with God in the cool of the day. If Adam was to eat of the tree of life, it would mean permanent condemnation by God. Adam would live eternally as a fallen, wicked, evil sinner. It would have been a sentence to eternal hell. It was paradise lost, point number one. Point number two, out of paradise. He drove out the man, verse 24, and at, least, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned, away, turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Have you ever noticed that man has been trying to get back to paradise in some way or form? You say, let's get back to the good old days. There have been tremendous advances in science, technology, education. We have AI, the internet, solar, breakthrough medicines. Man hasn't even touched the tip of the iceberg in terms of knowledge and exploration. There are so many things that man does to try to improve his quality of life through food, diet, exercise. The uber-rich even try to extend their lives through cryogenics. But what does man want? He wants a paradise without God. A paradise without God. Because of Adam's sin, we see God's judgment, banishment. God sent them out. He drove them out of the garden. He kicked Adam out of paradise. Adam was deported. No diplomatic immunity. No survivor immunity idol. They were expelled. Expulsion by decree, as Kidner would put it. Excommunicated. God evicted them. They were banned. God judged and punished Adam and Eve. They were kicked out of Eden to the Badlands. Throughout the Bible, we have seen punishment of sin and types of expulsion. Angels banished from heaven, Revelations 12, 9. Cain banished from his home, Genesis 4, 14. 
Nations are banished and dispersed at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, 8 and 9. And on the final day of judgment, where the wicked, the unregenerate, will be in the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 25. Sin separated Adam from God. Intimacy and fellowship with God is replaced with alienation and separation. This is the greatest tragedy of all, the loss of communion and intimate fellowship with God. While Adam shared in the knowledge of good and evil, instead of becoming God, he received the opposite, death. There's no human way out of this situation as he was guilty. Why did Adam sin? Why did he do it? Sin is irrational. Sin doesn't make sense. And what happened when Adam sinned? We go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, as just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. Because Adam sinned, we all sinned. That is, or this is, original sin. It is immediate imputation. Adam is our federal representative, our head. We are all counted guilty because our representative, Adam, was guilty. Creation and mankind has been blemished by our federal head, Adam. Adam was our representative. We are condemned by the imputation of Adam's sin. When Adam acted upon committing that first sin, the fatal consequence is that sin entered the world. The result? Adam's nature was changed. He now had a sin nature. It is now the nature of all of mankind's sinful condition because of Adam's fall. All people are now corrupted. Original sin. Louis Burkhoff says this of original sin. The sinful state and condition in which men are born, it is not inherited, it is imputed to us. It is called original sin. One, because it is derived from the original root of the human race. Two, because it is present in the life of every individual from the time of his birth. Three, because it is the inward root of all of the actual sins that defile the life of man. Let me repeat that. And this is important. About original sin. The sinful state and condition into which men are born. It is not inherited, it is imputed to us. It is called original sin. One, because it is derived from the original root of the human race. Two, because it is present in the life of every individual from the time of his birth. And three, because it is the inward root of all of the actual sins that defile the life of a man. 
Original sin is not the first sin by Anna, but refers to the result. It's the result of first sin. Original sin is sometimes called original pollution. Burkhoff continues saying, we should guard against the mistake of thinking that term in any way implies that sin was designated by it or belongs to the original constitution of human nature, which would imply that God created man as a sinner. God did not create man as a sinner. We must correctly understand that God himself did not sin. God is not to be blamed for sin. Man initiated sin. It was man's voluntary choice. To blame, to blame God would be to assassinate God's character. G.I. Packer says that we sin because we are sinners, born with a nature enslaved to sin. Do you know what the greatest mass killer of all is? It's not wars. It's not natural disasters. It's not disease, cancer, or COVID. The greatest mass killer is sin. It's sin. Back to the question I asked earlier. Is man basically good or evil? He's evil. He's evil because of his sin nature. This is such a foundational question that many people don't get right. We are corrupted morally and spiritually with our union with Adam. We are totally depraved. Our tendency is to commit sin. Man has a proclivity to, to sin. It is man's nature, having inherited Adam's fallen nature. Creation, mankind, has been blemished by our federal head, Adam. We believe that Genesis is a historical account, a historical account of creation, and that Adam was a historical person. Adam, the first man, and from Adam... Sin came and entered the world. And the consequences? Death. Whether rich or poor, young or old, living in the South Bay or Bakersfield, all of humanity, all of us, we are all in Adam. James Montgomery Boyce, R.C. Sproul, and John MacArthur call this the federal view. Adam was the head of mankind, it is the solidarity of humanity. John MacArthur says this, mankind is a single entity constituting a divinely ordered solidarity. Adam represents the entire human race that is descended from him. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. Because of sin, Adam was kicked to the east of Eden where God placed the cherubim and flaming sword. The temptation for Adam and Eve was to go back to Eden to figure a way to reverse the curse, the consequences of eating the tree of life. It's actually the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Sorry about that. But in doing so, he would be permanently condemned. That is correct. It is by eating the tree of life. But in doing so, he would be permanently condemned. This is the first time that the cherubim are mentioned. Cherubim are angels. 
angels are always associated with the holiness and throne of God. We see that in Ezekiel chapter 1 and in Ezekiel chapter 10, verses 18 and 19. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim, and the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord of Israel was over them. Second Samuel 6.2, the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. Angels are the guardians of the holiness of God. There is also the flaming sword. While there is no direct parallel in scripture, it represents the righteousness of God. The two centuries, the cherubim and the flaming sword, they are guardians of the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve were now, point number two, out of paradise. Point number one, paradise lost. Point number two, out of paradise. And point number three, the new paradise. God knew that Adam would sin. In God's judgment came God's greatest act of mercy in his perfect provision for Adam. It is not the Eden from Genesis. It is a new Eden. If you can call it that, it is a new paradise, an Eden on steroids. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. People have a longing for paradise, but it is an earthly paradise. How does that 80s song go? Heaven is a place on earth. That's what the world thinks. Man can create a heaven here? I don't think so. The world is tainted, polluted. All of mankind, all the earth, all of creation has been infected by sin. Romans 8, 20 to 22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage of cor- to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The new paradise, the new heaven and new earth is better, best, and only the final destination for those that are in Christ. When Adam and Eve were, were forced out of the garden, they left a world of rest and bliss to a, re- to a world of restlessness, a world of toil. What hope did they have? Remember God's gracious promise in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The tree of life is now only reachable because of Jesus. In the midst of sin, God is a God of hope where Christ defeated death, sin, and Satan. Jesus, God's only begotten son, born of the Virgin Mary from the Davidic line, was crucified, buried, rose on the third day, and ascended into heaven 
and is now seated at the right hand of God. There is no one righteous except Jesus. He is the only one who had perfect obedience to the law. He who had no sin became sin. Man can't earn his way back to God. Adam could not earn his way back to God. Man needs representation. Christ, the true and better Adam. We just sang that. Christ, the true and better Adam. We are saved because of our representation through Christ. Christ's righteousness imputed to Christians. Because of our representative, those that are in Christ, a new paradise is waiting for us. Revelations 21, verses 1 through 8. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There will be no more wars, no more quarrels, no more lying, no more natural disasters, no more toiling, no more decay, no more disease, no more cancer, no more being tired, no more being stuck on the freeway. <laughs> it will be a new heaven, a new earth, no more tears. Instead of tears of pain, it will be tears of joy. No more crying. No more dying. God dwelling with us. Emmanuel. Everything is going to be brand new, and it will stay new. It's like that experience of buying a brand new car. It is so new. It's wow. Look at this. Touch this. Touch that. It will be a place of no more death, no more thirsting, 
What are you thirsting for? Are you satisfied in God? Can you imagine a place of no more thirsting? When you're completely satisfied in the presence of God, communing with God, that's what will happen in the new paradise, in the new heaven and the new earth, praising and worshiping the Lord. However, verse 8 has a clear and stern warning for those that don't know Christ. That those that don't believe, they will be consigned to the fiery lake, burning sulfur. This is the second death. They won't be in the new paradise. Instead of bliss in heaven, it is condemnation, eternal hell. Friend, if this is you, unbelieving, if you don't know the Lord, you need to turn from your sins. Repent. Let, ta- let today be the day of salvation. Trust in the Lord. Trust and believe in Christ so that you may live. Don't eat the garbage of this world. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34, verse 8. What Adam couldn't do, Christ accomplished. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 to 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigns through that one man, much more with those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. For Christians, fellow brothers and sisters, saints, we look to the Lord and live not for this world, but for him. We have a precious faith which God has given us. Death for a Christian is only a transition. We have been given his son and the promises, a new paradise. Where Adam failed, Christ, the new Adam, prevailed. We will be one day with the Lord in paradise, in a new body where there is no death, no corruption, no sin, no pain, where we will share 
in his glory and worship him. Let me close with this. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glory, his body, by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. Christian, fellow citizen, that's where we're headed. Heaven. Point number three, a new paradise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words of truth. Without these words of truth, we would be confused, headless. Thank you for your son, Jesus, our head, the one that saves, the one that gives life, the one that gives us life eternal. Only through the Son may we enjoy in your goodness and in your grace as citizens that one day we will see you face to face full of glory praising and worshiping you where Adam failed Christ prevailed he is the one we live for and adore and continue to worship him as long as we have breath until you come again or take us home to the new paradise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.